You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to GI Insights, where we cover the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in gastroenterological practice. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. Your host for GI Insights is Professor of Medicine at University of Illinois Chicago, Dr. Jay Goldstein. Welcome. New technological and therapeutic platforms are being developed for endoscopy. It's not just diagnostic endoscopy anymore, and the future is bright for more advances over time. Joining us to discuss emerging technologies that will shape the future of GI practice and endoscopy is Dr. Jay Pashrika. Dr. Pashrika is Chief of Gastroenterology and Hepatology at the Stanford University School of Medicine. Welcome to ReachMD. What are the most important developments that are occurring now in therapeutic endoscopy, and what's the future hold for us? Thanks, Jay. This is an exciting time to be in gastroenterology and gastrointestinal therapy. Perhaps the most exciting recent development has been the area of NOTES, which is an acronym for natural orifice transluminal endoscopic surgery in which the endoscopist or the surgeon actually breaches the wall of a GI or other visceral organ and enters the peritoneal cavity from inside instead of an incision from on the skin. Well, that's kind of an interesting thought because in the past, we never wanted to breach the gastric wall, did we? That's right. That was a uh, age-old dogma. When you and I were fellows, we were taught that as a thing to avoid at all costs. (laughs) Yes. Now we're doing it on purpose. We're doing it on purpose. And based on a series of actually very sound experiments that have been done and first performed almost 10 years ago now, and have finally led to a worldwide consortium organized by some of the GI societies in which we're actually monitoring patients who have undergone notes or notes-related procedures. So... Our listening audience is very enthusiastic about notes, and we've heard a lot about it. Why would someone want their appendix taken out by you rather than a surgeon? Well, I didn't say somebody wanted to take their appendix out by me. I think that what you raised is a very, very interesting question, somewhat controversial, but it really brings to focus what the future for gastroenterologists may well be. On the one hand, you could take the position that gastroenterologists should get trained since this is going to be a flexible endoscopic procedure, and who better to do flexible endoscopy than gastroenterologists? (laughs) But on the other hand, you can argue, and and many have argued, that gastroenterologists are not trained as surgeons, and what we're talking about is a surgical procedure, regardless of the tools that you use to perform the procedure. So we're at a point in time where there is going to be some push and pull between the two specialties as to who gets to, quote, own, unquote, the space. But I don't think this is a situation that will last for very long. And by that, I mean for more than 10 years, because I think NOTES is going to pave the way for a true hybrid specialist, one that we've been talking about for many years, but will finally come due to shape. Let's talk practicalities. My first question to you was a little tongue-in-cheek, but Let's rephrase it. In the year 2008, where would notes play a a major role, a useful role in interventions for patients? Liver biopsies, lymph node biopsies, where are people using this most commonly? The killer 
another application for notes, which is a completely wrong term to use in this setting, is not known. What we don't know, or we haven't proven yet, is that notes offers any real advantage over conventional laparoscopic surgery, other than the obvious one, which is cosmetic. And the funny part is it's actually the cosmetic advantage that seems to be driving the procedure. There are reports that many patients, if asked, would prefer a completely scarless procedure over one that just, even one that takes only a few incisions or small incisions like laparoscopic surgery. So that's part of what's driving it. And there are now over 300 cases that have been recorded worldwide. Most of the cases have been done transvaginally, although some have also been done transgastrically. And the most common indications have been a cholecystectomy, actually. So I can't answer the question in a definitive way. I can tell you that we're still in a phase where we're waiting to see what the exact application is going to be that offers a major advantage over the laparoscopic approach. Part of the problem, of course, is that we can't do a fair comparison between the two procedures or the two approaches because the tools for performing notes just aren't there. It'll take us another three to five years to get those tools and be able to perform a meaningful comparison. All righty. Is this going to be, as you see this roll out, will this be an academic center type procedure or do you really think that in years to come we'll be seeing this in community-based programs? I think in the beginning, there's no question this will be an academic medical center program, although there's a lot of interest amongst community surgeons to get involved in notes. Gastroenterologists, particularly community gastroenterologists, are generally taking a far more conservative approach to this than I would have expected. They're essentially saying this is too radical, it's too far out, it takes too much time, too risky. I'd rather not mess with this. That will prevent us from moving forward, isn't it? Well, you know, the danger is that not, and I don't want to phrase this in terms of a turf war. I really think that gastroenterologists right now are far too complacent about the specialty because of the booming business in screening colonoscopies, that they may have made themselves very vulnerable to any changes in that procedure. And if screening colonoscopy was to go away, we're not left with very many other procedures to perform. And if you give up therapeutic flexible endoscopy as well, then, you know... What are we going to do? <laughs> actually talk to the patients. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Actually, uh, it's the old story, don't put all your eggs in one basket, isn't it? That's right. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on Reach MD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Goldstein, and joining me today to discuss emerging technologies that will shape the future of GI practice and endoscopy is Dr. Jay Pashrika, Chief of Gastroenterology and Hepatology at Stanford University School of Medicine. Let's move on a little bit to the natural orifice, surgery notes, as you call it. When I trained in gastroenterology, my chief told me that at one time in the future, there is going to be a continuum between gastroenterology and general surgery. I never thought he was right, but I think he is. Do you see that kind of change in the training programs in the future? I think the changes are coming. You know, Peter Corden predicted creation of a hybrid specialist 10 or 15 years ago. And at that time, we thought it was around the corner. But it took the advent of procedures like notes to finally blur the distinction between what an endoscopist does and what a laparoscopic surgeon does. The problem is that the skill sets that a surgeon has 
are quite different from the skill sets of a gastroenterologist. And in the interest of best patient care, we do require a fusion of some of those skill sets, and that will require changes in our training paradigm. We need to train people not just procedurally. So the surgeon today has to go beyond the 50 or so odd flexible endoscopy procedures that are required as part of the five-year program. They have to become really very adept at flexible endoscopy, just the way gastroenterologists are. And at the same time, I think they're going to have to acquire much more of the cognitive knowledge for taking care of GI patients. Gastroenterologists, on the other hand, have to be trained in taking care of a much higher, much more complex level of procedures than they are currently doing if they're going to perform notes. So I don't think either one of the training programs today really meets the need for the future, and this will require reinvention of the so-called digestivist. Uh, There are some programs that are beginning to talk about this already, and I think in the next few years we'll see some tentative moves towards that. Of course, pushing back against this will be the inertia in the system, particularly the ACGME requirements, you know, the need for revamping the curricular. But I think in the interest of better patient care, we do need to rethink how we are training people to take care of digestive diseases. That's very, very interesting. Well, I look forward to that. Maybe not in my career, but maybe in the next 10, 15 years, that will be the case. Let's turn away from notes for just a second. Is there anything else that you would like to tell us about and about future developments in diagnostic endoscopy and maybe even just colorectal cancer screening? Right. So in terms of other therapeutic procedures, everything is not notes. In fact, we don't really know where notes is going to settle down in terms of the spectrum of therapeutic options. But what is clear is notes has emboldened us to be far more aggressive inside the lumen of the GI tract. So what you're going to see in the next few years is far more innovative, uh, much more sophisticated ways of forming endoscopic maneuvers within the GI tract. And this will lead to better ways to do mucosal resections, perhaps even cancers, as well as novel methods to treat obesity, and now even perhaps more exciting, type 2 diabetes. So there's going to be a whole new range of therapeutic procedures that will be amenable to flexible endoscopy, even if you stay within the lumen. With regard to your other question, as far as diagnostic procedures are concerned, as you know, there's been a huge amount of innovation in optical imaging and adding dimension to conventional endoscopy. We've seen that now with the introduction of confocal endomicroscopy, fluorescent endoscopy, and uh, different kinds of computer magnification and contrast techniques. We'll see a lot more of these in the near future. Whether or not this makes a difference in our ability to discriminate between benign lesions and precancerous ones remains uncertain, but I think that with more technological developments, this is likely to happen. Well, I'd like to thank my guests from the Stanford University School of Medicine, Dr. Jay Pashrisha, for spending time with us today. I'd like to thank you all for joining us today, and especially our guests. Thank you, Jay. You have been listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com 
and use promo code AGA. Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is proud to sponsor this important and quality programming for ReachMD listeners. Takeda does not control the editorial content of this broadcast. The views expressed are solely those of the guests who are selected by the AGA Institute. Based in Deerfield, Illinois, Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is a wholly owned subsidiary of Takeda Pharmaceutical Company Limited, the largest pharmaceutical company in Japan. In the United States, Takeda markets products for diabetes, insomnia, wakefulness, and gastroenterology, and is developing products in the areas of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and other conditions. Takeda is committed to striving toward better health for individuals and progress in medicine by developing superior pharmaceutical products. To learn more about the company and its products, visit www.tpna.com.